everyone. Ryan Bolton here with Synergy One Lending. I'm a local mortgage expert here in St. George, Utah. And with me is my co-host, Carson Jones. He's part of Team Honey, the Realty One Group Goldmark here in St. George. And today we want to talk about five common terms you hear in, hear in the real estate world and just kind of dive into what those actually mean to try, try to help clarify this whole process of getting you clear to close. So I want to talk about the first thing that's probably the most important part when you actually make an offer, get a house you want to buy, what do you do next? And the next thing is what we call a Rep C or real estate purchase contract. It's an abbreviation. Our, our industries are notorious for abbreviations. Yeah. Probably the medical industry might be the only one that has more, maybe military, but we have a lot of acronyms. But so what, what is a Rep C or yeah. real estate contract? So, so Rep C is what you're going to hear a lot of the, the realtors, lenders, title companies use is they're just going to say Rep C, but then you talk to a buyer or seller and say, what's a Rep C? Yeah. Rep C <laughs> is just the real estate purchase contract, REPC. So really it's just a state form that's filled out and a lot of the a lot of the things on there are fill in the blanks right but essentially it's the offer that you're making to uh, the offer that a buyer is making to a seller to purchase their home or their land or whatever it's going to be there's land repsies new construction repsies there's a lot of different types but um there's a lot of things that go into this repsy there's lots of different um uh, different contingencies. You could add addendums to it. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you could put into this Repsy, but the good thing is that most states, in fact, I believe all the states have a state form that's pretty much made for you. And then you just fill in all of the details. If you want to do something additional on top of it, you just add addendums, right? And so a lot of what we, we do as realtors is working on this contract and making the contract say, fill in everything on the contract that needs to be filled in, but then adding addendums to make it exactly what the buyers or what the sellers need to make this house work. And, and it seems like the contract's always evolving to fit all the needs. It always is ex expanding on what the most common thing is. And, and they make changes every year as to what changes in regulation stuff. Like that. What, what do you think the most common addendum or what's the most left out thing that you have to fill out as part of the real estate contract? And seller concessions might be one. I think yeah. it always seems to be one. I but. mean, so, concessions, if there's a contingency, which we'll talk about both of those later on the show, but uh, those are two extra addendums that will have to add in sometimes depending on if the earnest money needs to go to the title company or to a brokerage there's a couple little things like that but almost every contract is going to have some sort of addendum maybe it's something where uh they, they want to say hey this is what we're going to buy for the, uh we want uh we want the house like this, but we also want the hot tub, right? Mm. So you might have to add that into an addendum. Uh, so there's lots of little addendums. You could put virtually whatever you want on an addendum for the most part. Uh, so the Repsy is all the, everything that's the standard. You could do a full contract with just the Repsy, mm. but if you want to get creative on it, that's when you're going to start adding in the addendums. So like I said, it's, it's like 90% covered within that. It, it gives you like either yes or no, yes or no, you know, that type of stuff. And then yep. you have sections where you can fill out the difference. So okay. it, it is. Yeah. And, and the one thing I would say is there's a lot of times, especially like a for sale by owner, well, they'll just essentially make up their own Repsy or they'll just print one off of say um, so somewhere on Google that just has a, a purchase contract and be very careful with that. Only use state, form. So if you're in the state of Utah, only use the state real estate purchase contract. Don't ever use something that's just off of Google because there's a lot of things that are legal in Utah that are not legal somewhere else or vice versa. Um, one of the big things is title insurance. In Utah, the seller pays the title insurance. And if you just print something off of Google, 
you might have left that out of there. And if you're, say, uh, um, if you're a buyer and you just left that out of the contract, suddenly you don't have anything in writing saying the seller is going to pay your title insurance. And that might be another two to $3,000 that you as a buyer are going to have mm. to pay because you didn't put that in the contract. So always use the state forms. And that's another reason if you're a buyer, it's free to use a buyer's agent. So use the buyer's agent. It's already part of uh, the purchase price of the house. So use a buyer's agent who already knows all of this stuff and you don't have to worry about losing a few thousand dollars because more often than not, people are losing an extremely large amount of money when they're writing up a contract that they just found on Google. Oh, that's totally true. And, and one of the first things I look at on the rep C or the contract is the deadline. So that's obviously a very crucial part of the contract. So what are the deadlines within a contract? So the deadlines, there, there's four main deadlines. There, there can be other deadlines added in, um, but there's four main deadlines. The first one is, well, I'm sorry, I'll start with actually five deadlines. So the first deadline is your acceptance deadline. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> so you have the deadline of how long, if a buyer's writing an offer, they're going to give the seller a deadline on when they have to respond. So you might write an offer on a Saturday night and say, hey, you have until Monday at 4 p.m. to accept or And that's pretty common. So it doesn't offer. seem like two days, it two business days. It depends on the time. Days. Yeah, okay. if, it's, if you write it on a weekend, you're going to want to wait until business day. Mm. It's a lot. Uh, it's hard when somebody writes an offer and then they say, hey, we want a response on Sunday evening. Mm. Uh, so I, it, over the past two years when the market has been crazy around here, a lot of times you're going to give a seller, I mean, sometimes 12 to 24 hours to respond. Mm. Now we're getting back to the point where it's like, okay, we're going to give you a couple days, think about this and then, and get back to us. Mm. So, okay. uh, so that's the first deadline. The next deadline, once it's all been accepted is the seller disclosure deadline. And this confuses people. So the, the seller disclosure deadline is essentially the deadline that the seller has to disclose everything that they know about the house and everything that they know is wrong with the house. Uh, the worst thing a seller can do is not disclose. And so mm. you'll, you'll hear realtors say disclose, disclose and disclose again because if you know something is wrong with the house and uh, a year later that issue pops up with the buyer and you never told the buyer about it, the seller could be in some ex extremely financial, uh, an extremely financial burden to them, whether it's through lawsuits or whatever that could be that come back at them, say, hey, you knew about this, but you didn't tell us mm -hmm. about this when you sold us the house. Um, so this is common, maybe some repair, flooding, roof yeah. damage, a contractor didn't, you know, stuff like that is what can pop up that they're just trying to hide it behind the wall it you is. Know, type of thing. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and another reason why it's so important to get an inspection, because some of these things can then fall back on a home inspector if a home inspector didn't find it then. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, disclosure is just the deadline essentially that uh, there's a big packet. It used to be like four or five pages. Now it's, I think it's 16 pages yeah. and it's just checking boxes and, and writing down descriptions of exactly what's wrong with the home. Okay. Uh, what's next? The other oh, deadlines. Oh, the other deadlines. I'm still sorry. <laughs> that's a big, I mean, that's a big one. That's that an important one, yeah. one to be able to do it. So if you run into one of these deadlines and it's a reason you want to back out of the home, that's where you can yeah. still get out, get your earnest money and say, okay, never mind. Now that we've done a full review of the home or, or the yep. seller disclosures, or hey, I want to get that thing checked out or that type of thing. That's part of that deadline. And, and so then there comes due diligence, right? Due diligence is the big deadline. Everybody talks about this is essentially the time that you have to do your inspections to make sure, Hey, this is the house that I want to buy. Right. You can, you have a little bit of time to go in there. Okay. Might take a week or so to get your inspector in there, get all that figured out. And then you have until that deadline to write up an addendum, a repair addendum to the seller saying, Hey, these are all the things we want repaired. And I can't stress this enough. And unfortunately, there's a lot of agents who just don't communicate this to your buyer. But 
an inspection is not so that you can go and just ask the seller to repair everything. An inspection is so that you know what you're buying. Mm. Uh, now, there are going to be repairs more often than not that you need to have repaired or you need to have uh, maybe a discounted price on the home because you found something that's just maybe a little bit more than you actually thought it was going to it was going to be. But just because you get an inspection that has 30 items on there, uh, that's every inspection. And that's the inspector's yeah. job is just to find a whole bunch of tiny little things. Yep. Um, I mean, they're going to just say, oh, the ceiling fans are wobbly. Well, yeah, if you have a three foot <laughs> pole hanging down for the ceiling fan, it's going to wobble a little yeah. bit, right? <laughs> but they'll put anything in there. And unfortunately, there's a lot of agents and buyers who just kind of, the agents are teaching their buyers like, yeah, just ask them to to repair everything and then the deal gets ruined because they say absolutely not i'm not i'm not going to do that this is what you're buying so so the due diligence deadline that doesn't mean that at that deadline your earnest money is now safe um, and that's the next deadline that we'll talk about now with that said if you're paying cash for a home then that due diligence deadline is when your earnest money will then go hard okay uh, however the financing and appraisal deadline which is the next deadline this is usually between seven to four, four to seven days before settlement, right? Mm -hmm. And this deadline is when your earnest money is going to go hard if you're getting a loan. Yeah, this is the last deadline that you really can back out without Correct. losing the earnest money. So you yep. really want to be aware of that date. Even when I put a contract into my system, I always go a couple of days before that to make yeah. sure we're ahead of that deadline. It's important. And unfortunately, there, there's a lot of people and they kind of they kind of wait on the appraisals. In the past couple of years, we had some problems with appraisers were, I mean, three weeks out yeah, before they can slow, get over yeah. there. And so we had to put appraisal deadlines a little bit later and then ask for extensions because the appraisers just couldn't get out there. Now it's, it's quicker again. Yes. Um, but yeah, so this is your time to get the appraisal and make sure all your financials go through. Let's say after this deadline, your lender comes back to you and says, oh, sorry, actually, now you're not approved anymore. And uh, um, you shouldn't have just gone and bought that car and now you can't now you can't buy the house well now unfortunately you don't get your earnest money back if it's after that deadline yep. okay so that's why ryan and i can't stress enough don't go crazy buying cars by putting all this stuff on your uh, on credit cards or whatever else it might be uh while you're under contract on the house or really anytime after that pre-approval because that will change uh your pre-approval odds very yep. quickly that's where that pre-approval is so important to get as much of it ready as you can yeah to make it more solid so you don't have something just come up last second or after a deadline all of a sudden you're scrambling to get documentation i mean that pre-approval stage can be so crucial and make it so much smoother during the rest of the steps it so, can and then what's the final deadline the final deadline is a good one it's the settlement deadline so hey, oh, uh, clear settlement, to close clear to close that's right <laughs> so i mean you want you want to get that clear to close pretty much right around the financing appraisal deadline you want the lender to say hey we're good to go let's do this now sometimes you have a, a small waiting period after that uh depending but for the most part, the settlement deadline is, I, I would consider the settlement deadline a day or two after you actually go to the title company and sign. A lot of people feel like they go to the title company, they sign the documents, they get the keys there at the title company. More often than not, it's that plus, if you do it early in the morning, you could still get the keys and, and record that same day. However, more often than not, it's going to be that following business day that you actually get the keys. So and that's uh, why I try to make sure my closings aren't Friday because uh, very sure, often sure. it will move to Monday and then Monday's a holiday and then your yep. Tuesday. And so I always try to make sure the signings are Wednesday, Thursday, because it is after signing that wires go to the bank. Yeah. If you miss the wire cutoff, we're in the wet, we're here on the West coast. So the cutoffs are sooner than the East coast. Also in Utah, they don't send the funds with the package. It's a right. dry, there's wet and fun, funding states and dry funding states. Yep. 
So if you want to get it done early in that day, you've got to plan ahead, which usually costs you a business day anyway. So well, and think generally about you it. close and then you record and fund the next day. So you want to plan for that. Hey, Sign on Wednesdays and Thursdays in Utah. For sure. If it's, a, if it's a holiday on Monday, like let's say Monday is Martin Luther King Day and you signed Friday at... 11 yep. and they couldn't get it done Friday. Well, now you don't get the keys until Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So that could be a, a real pain. So, I mean, make sure when you are, and again, a good buyer's agent should hopefully know this, but unfortunately 99% of them don't. And they always put their closings on a Friday. And so you it's know, like, say your closings up for Wednesday Friday. or yeah. Thursday. And it's like, yeah, same last day of the month too is like, these places are really busy those days getting everything settled up. So, yep. um, so have it earlier in the week so you can make sure you get your keys and spend the weekend moving. Yeah. And then, and like I've seen it happen so many times or they'll try to, and, and the reason they don't typically let you move in is you're not the owner of the home. Your insurance hasn't kicked in. Something happens with the house. So generally speaking, you're not going to get moved in even yeah. after you sign. And it's really hard to get it signed, wired, recorded all within between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., especially like exactly. you said, last day of the month. It's just you're running into the chance you're most likely going to be the next day. And if you know that going into it, it just relieves that stress knowing, OK, we're signing Wednesday. We'll get our keys on Friday. Yeah. We can start moving in that type of thing instead of having moving trucks out here at Marriott or Hilton waiting yeah. until you can just move in. So you have to rent a hotel. I mean, that's the worst when yeah. they have to have all their U-Haul trucks and sit down in front of you in, in front of yeah, the hotel because you, you, you just closed on the wrong day and now you have to wait so. yeah and yeah. many people don't know that that is really a good tip you it doesn't fund and record the day you sign it typically very very common it's yeah. the next business day yeah not just the next day it's the next business day. if it's really early also on a cash deal sometimes it could be really it could be quickly after yeah. signing but for the most part i would say unless you're signing early early in the morning wait until that next day before it's actually going to be technically yours Awesome. So you did bring up some other terms that we that you threw around there yeah. a little bit as we went through the real estate contract, because so much of it is built into that contract. Yeah. And we're starting to see this kick up a lot more. Um, what is contingency? We hear that word. Yeah. What is a contingency either in the contract or, or, or so kind of define what that is? So there can be a lot of contingencies. I mean, the first contingency is going to be your due diligence contingency and then your uh, your financing and appraisal contingency. Those deadlines are technically also contingencies. So the buyer is saying, hey, we're going to offer you $500,000 for this house with the contingency that our appraisal works out the way we need and that our financing with our lender goes through how we need, right? That's why you have those deadlines on your earnest money. So that the, the purchase is still contingent upon that. The due diligence is a contingency that says, Hey, the purchase of this house is still contingent upon us doing our inspection and making sure that we, this is the house that we actually thought we were going to get right mm -hmm. now. Bigger contingencies would be something like a, um, uh, maybe they have to sell their own home in, Park City, or maybe they've got to sell something somewhere else in the country before they buy this house. So there's then that comes into essentially a, a contingent offer where you can leave it essentially on the market if you want to, uh, in, in many ways, depending on the terms of your contract. But but what you do is you can say, okay, you've got the contract, but you have to sell your house somewhere else before you can officially close on this one. So you might not have a closing date even set in stone yet, right? With that said, if somebody else comes along and says, hey, we'll offer you this amount for the house, you could say, okay, you guys have a couple days or whatever to say, yes, we'll take it, forget forget our contingency somewhere else in the country. So when it's a contingent offer, they have the offer to keep marketing it to see who else shows up. You just get yeah. kind of first right of refusal once you're in that position. Sure. Is that really kind of what a contingency really does? The More same often than not, you can add extra little uh, things into your contingent offer that say we have a longer period of time to, to decide after that. But for the most part, yeah, it's a first right of refusal type thing. So contingency is basically say this has to happen so this can happen. Yeah. It's basically there's a bridge, there's 
it's something in between that once this gets out of the way, then I can buy your house. So exactly. that's really what, I mean, sometimes even the words like contingency spell it. I don't even know if I can spell it, <laughs> <laughs> True. but I just know what that word is just True. because of how long I've been in the business, but it is something where, okay, there's something preventing me from buying the house right now. Once that's removed, then I can move forward on buying yeah. your house, which like I said, the most common thing is going to be selling another house. Yeah. I got to sell this one to get the down payment, free up the money, whatever to then buy your house. Yep. But like you said, while that's in that state, they can still market it. They can go out and say, hey, we're going to keep marketing it. Somebody else shows up, hey, I'll pay you that much for the house. Yeah. This first group gets to say, okay, yeah, we can still close within a time frame, or they just walk away from that offer and they take the other offer. Yeah, exactly. So another thing we're starting to see a lot of as we go through our list here is concessions. Mm. Those seem to disappear for about two years there. What is a concession and why is that different than a contingency? So a concession kind of goes a little bit more towards a loan in many ways. Uh, so let's say, let's say that the, uh, the seller and the buyer agree that the seller is going to pay $15,000 in, uh, in closing costs towards the buyers, towards the buyer's closing costs. So yes, you still sold the house for 500,000, but technically after those concessions, it was really 485 because the seller paid an extra 15,000. So an appraiser is really going to want to look at those concessions and, and say, Hey, I know the, everything says 500,000 on here, but technically they gave you an additional 15 back. Uh, so that's kind of the main form of concession that you're going to see is, is really just what the seller is giving back to the buyer uh, to make the sale go through. And, that, and that's really a benefit to both, right? Because it helps yeah. them sell the house yeah. and it helps less out of pocket for the potential buyer. It can um, be a win-win situation always. I mean, especially if the appraisal is not an issue. If, the, if they can say, hey, we're going to cover anything on the appraisal, because sometimes if you bump the price up uh, for those concessions, you might then get in, be, be getting out of the appraisal range mm -hmm. there, right? So if the, if the buyer can say, hey, we're still going to cover it, even if the appraisal is, is a little bit low on this, that's when a concession is great because uh, both the buyer and the seller are, are doing better. And I, I'd say that's so crucial to ask for that concession. If you're a buyer, ask for the concession instead of lowering the price. We've mm -hmm. talked about it a few times, but lowering the price, 10 grand might only save you five bucks on your mortgage, but having 10 grand to work with might be better than just lowering the price of the home that amount, but you want to do it upfront while you're doing the negotiation on the yeah. contract. And the main reason for that is once you have that set, it's very hard. To, and then the appraisal comes in at that sales price. It's very hard to, to adjust or add it later. True. You, and I have so many times, so many times people come into my office and they'll say, oh, we just want to roll the cost into the loan. We just want to roll it in the loan. You, you don't do that on a mortgage. Right. Because your down payment is your max loan amount that whatever you're putting down minus the sales price, that's the max loan. Yeah. You can't then just add fees on top of that. Now there's some programs you can add a few things, but generally they're not going to add those things on there. So right. ask for it up front. And you're so much better off. I'll, I'll do the math for you up and down, left and right. You're way better off to have the price higher and get more for it than lower in the price. Yeah. It seems yeah. counterintuitive. It's like, I want to get the best price I can for the house. But realize that having 10 grand out of pocket to save five bucks a month, you're far better off to have the 10 grand to work yeah, with. Absolutely. Really absolutely. So let's do one other thing here on our top five list here of, of terms for the real estate world. What is a short sale? So that's a good question. And a lot of people have been bringing that up now here in 2022, 2023, thinking, oh, the market is crashing. It's a short sale market. No, like it's uh, 2008 to 2012. That's when we saw those short sales. And essentially what that means is, is really when you get upside down in your mortgage, right? Uh, essentially, once you get to the point where your house is worth less than what you owe on it, right? And in 2008, 
2010, we were seeing a lot of that. We were seeing a lot of houses that were, um, uh, maybe they, they were only worth $200,000 yet. They purchased it for three fifty, And, uh, so they kind of got upside down on it there. So short sales is not something that we're dealing with a whole lot quite yet. Uh, we might see some coming, especially if we see a, a major drop so far, we haven't really gotten to the point where we're going to be seeing short sales anytime real soon. I, I would agree. I don't think we're going to see a big wave because the debt that they're servicing, even if they got upside down somehow, so yeah. they're still going to be a lower payment on that than if they go yeah. to try to replace the same thing. And there's just enough equity in those positions where I don't see we're going to have a huge wave. Like notice the defaults, which is the first step of like a short sale. Yeah. Is it hasn't ramped up like crazy. I don't really see it going up, but really, like you said, a short sale is just you you're selling it less than what it costs to pay off yeah. the loan. You're short of covering the mortgage. And that's how the term came about. And, and I, and I can see that happen, especially if people have gone out and got a lot of second mortgages or, mm. uh, 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 like HELOC type stuff on their houses, then, then it might make it a little bit. So they have less equity in their home. Now we could run into a little bit more with that, but I don't think it's, we're definitely not going to see anything like 2008 yeah. to 2012. Like we had Well, and so many people have skin in the game, but they put 50,000, hundred thousand above the price to get the house paid yeah. a lot of cash for it you don't see them walking as easily they're going to just write it out they're going to stick yeah. in the home where the 08 stuff people just had no skin in the game no down payment they borrowed more than the home was worth they had bad credit scores subprime loans they just walked away they just had nothing that held them from walking back this right. is a totally different mark in the sense that most people have skin in the game either their payments lower their equity position's good or they put enough money into it yeah. they don't want to just walk from it so yeah. i don't see a huge wave of short sale foreclosure that type of thing. So yeah, I agree. well, that, that's our list here for today. So I appreciate you watching. Please comment, click yeah. subscribe, uh, ask any questions you have about our list here. And uh, thanks for watching the clear to close podcast. Thanks Carson. See you next time. Thanks so much.